Hello, welcome to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, a show for creatives who are marketing their work online. I'm Helen Perry, your host. I teach marketing. I show people how to do the stuff that works without feeling gross. Hurrah! I run courses and workshops. And if you'd like to hear about those, then sign up for my emails. There's a link in the show notes. This time, I want you to imagine we're out for an after work drink at a pub in Camden, because that's where the idea for this episode with these guests was conceived. Alice, Joe, and I are friends who met on Instagram. And then on this day in Camden in North London, we met up in real life to go to a training event together and afterwards put the world to rights in the pub. Alice Sheridan is an abstract artist who runs the Connected Artist membership. Joe McCarthy is an online shop mentor. Sometimes they work together. It's a mature space. We're collaborating with brilliant adults <laughs> and we want them to get the most out of it and to feel like it's um, the right time for them at the right pace for them. So, so that's, I think, how we work together. I think Alice is brilliant at really nurturing people and encouraging them and saying, come on, you know, motivating them. Like when she came in, there was an awful lot for her to understand and to see and to absorb about the way things worked. But she's very good sometimes at saying to me, Okay, I can see why you would want to do that, but is it really necessary? You'll listen to more of this conversation and see how well they gel together and why this working relationship of theirs works. Both Alice and Joe, like you and I, I think, have been sharing what they do online for, well, we worked it out and decades. We have decades of combined online marketing experience between us. So this conversation is about what we've learned. Think of it as a this much I know show. We're covering Instagram naturally. Sales, showing up, audience size, things we've done wrong and done right and how we feel about visibility now, which makes it our longest just bloody post it yet. But I promise the time will fly with these good people. I began by asking Joe and Alice to describe the work they do in their own words. Joe goes first. So I work with artists primarily these days, which we'll get on to, who want to plan, open and grow online shops. So I came up with a strap live for myself, e-commerce, but gentle. So the idea is that I work one-to-one with these creatives who have very specific ideas about how they want to show up and sell online. And I guide them through that process. And Alice Sheridan, for those who might not know you, you you sort of do both mentoring and selling all at once. Tell us about your work and who you work with. So I'm an abstract artist. I started like many artists do, just working from home. And to be honest, I didn't want to go back and do a proper job. I'd stopped when I had children. And the idea of going back and having somebody else in charge of my time that was not on my wish list. <laughs> and I had a coach at the time and we we were working all sorts of, around all sorts of ideas of what to do. And she said, well, what would you really do if, if you didn't have the pressure? And I said, well, I'd really like to just pursue my art and just see where that could go. And she said, well, shall we do that then? And that was a really good wake up to taking it seriously and really making some of those decisions 
that really have to happen, that you have to put in place to switch things from being a little bit of a hobby on the side into, okay, now what does this look like? So I did that for myself. So going to events, selling my art, building up a an, a web presence, I guess. And now I primarily have a membership for other artists. And I call it sort of artists who are serious, but with annoying air quotes. Um, because I mean, those who are committed, but who also want to have fun along the way, because I think that that is an absolutely essential part that keeps us turning up day after day, because that's what we need to do. Yes, apply that to everything. My, uh, my husband, Matt, well, from time to time say to me, you know, it might be easier if you just worked for someone else. <laughs> if you just did a job, came home at the end of the day and picked up a wage packet at the end of the month. And I'm, you know, I'm like, I see where you're coming from. But so, like you say, Alice, somebody saying, no, you can't go on holiday then, or I need you in at nine o'clock. So that just, it's not going to work for me. So I'm prepared to do quite a lot to maintain that control. Now, you two also work together. And I would love to know how that came about and, and how it works. Alice, did you in- invite Joe to come and work with you? I think I first of all invited Joe to come onto our podcast, which is called Art Juice, and um, then invited her to come within the membership. The membership has been going for a while now, but people get bored of hearing from me. So as it's grown, one of the good things about that has been the ability to be able to invite other people in to share their expertise. Um, So Joe came in and it felt like a really good fit fairly immediately, just the way that she approaches things. It's a very careful space that we've created. So I am quite cautious about who, who I invite into that space. And it felt so good. So I very nervously approached her and said, "Um, how about doing a little bit more? (laughs) Really nervously. I predict, Joe. she didn't, Alice did not need to be nervous about that conversation. She didn't need to be nervous at all. In fact, I think the first time we properly spoke was the, um, was during the podcast recording. So I, and, and that kind of goes to show really how we clicked, I think, straight away. So, um, and for me, it was a dream come true because, um, my, my background, um, has been, well, my, let's say my, my educational background was, um, more in the arts and, but then my sort of work, um, career, you know, had gone into more education spaces. And, and so for me, it kind of brought actually quite a few different strands together. So no, Alice definitely didn't need to feel nervous. Um, and I think what she explained there about it being a thoughtful, carefully curated, sensitive space is so true and and so for me I I actually did battle with Alice a little bit around some of the language to describe me I'm not an expert (laughs) we're learning all the time and I really bounce off all the others in the group there's so much experience and so much life experience as well um so for me it's a real privilege and and actually it has massively changed my business because you can imagine it is some sort of funnel into into the kinds of people who are working with me now so so yeah it's had a big impact on on me and my business. Jean, uh, what do you like about working with one another? I like that. Can I say? Can I? Sp- I like that she pulls me up on things. So we don't have a, a rigid system, and so we use Slack for sort of daily communication, but it's not daily at all. We don't even have 
weekly meetings on a super regular basis. But when we do, often what I have is a lot of ideas going around in my head. And Jo's very good. Like when she came in, there was an awful lot for her to understand and to see and to absorb about the way things worked. But she's very good sometimes at saying to me, okay, I can see why you would want to do that. But is it really necessary? Are other people asking for that? Or is that just something that is on your wish list of extra things on top? And just that, that having that ability to discuss that with somebody and them saying, yeah, do you need to do that? Then that feels easier to let go rather than those endless conversations that we can have, I think, as solo business owners. What do you enjoy about it, Jo? I think for me, it's, it's funny. It's almost sort of um, the opposite, you know, in the sense of um, trying to, to think bigger, you know, and to, and to think more broadly about what's possible um but I think what we both enjoy about the space in general is that it's really people-centric you know it's really all about um creating this very special space you know for uh very special people anyone who who sort of gets himself into this creative space particularly then motivated to sell online and it's a very vulnerable thing to do so I think both Alice and I feel quite strongly about um the promotion of creativity and creative work and um and and so for that reason I think we're, we're often you know thinking along the same lines and I I definitely come from a place of thinking what's the least amount we could do <laughs> um you know and how could we what, what's the slowest pace we could do this you know We've had a shift recently in terms of really focusing on not just a lot more information, but giving people that ability to get things done. And that's what I really appreciate about your courses, Helen, is that there is this inbuilt time to actually do it, not just learn about it, because that's another trap that I think so often we fall into. Yeah, I mean, I was just... Only this morning talking to um, a friend of mine about how much psychology comes into this business of working with people and how we all kind of need a sideline qualification in in therapy and understanding human behavior but what I've really learned along the way I'm just I just so want people to actually get something out of my courses you know I really don't want to just be selling things that people never use it's just another thing to feel a bit crap about yourself because you bought a course and you didn't do it so facilitation is a big part of my job it's like come on let's just let's Let's get it done. So creating time and space for that. I think as online learning and online memberships and communities um, develop and people learn more about what works and what doesn't work, I think, you know, that element of the process becomes a bit more important. And I'm interested that you're finding the same thing. Yeah. And and as a space, it's a very, I would say, I'm sure Alice Alice would agree, it's a mature space. You know, we're, we're collaborating with brilliant adults (laughs) adults <laughs> and we want them to get the most out of it and to feel like it's um yeah it's it's at the right time for them at the right pace for them so so that's I think how we work together I think Alice is brilliant at you know kind of really nurturing people and encouraging them and saying come on you know motivating them and then yeah perhaps my job is just to do with the curation of it maybe of, of thinking okay that's you know just not yet we just can't do that yet you know so I think in that way we work all right together yeah Sounds like you're just another very solid supporter for this group of people, you know, you've got their back. 
like Alice has. Right, I want to work out how many years of uh, sort of online marketing experience we've got between us. Alice, when did you start talking about your work on the internet? I think 2008. And then I had a background in graphic design and marketing before that. But that was that was pre-people having websites. So did you start, were you blogging at that time or something? Uh, my first, my first thing was a blog, yeah, without my name on. <laughs> Secret blog. What about you? Yeah, for me, I was also blogging actually for others. I was doing a lot of freelance writing. Um, and so that probably kicked off properly around uh, 20, let's say 2013, 2014. They were the glory days of of blogging and you know I did wonderful blogging courses with um Holly Becker at Decorate and it all felt very exciting and uh, and then yeah I kind of had a, a little break from that and then um so far as being you know my own boss running my own business that that really kicked off um late 2018. So it doesn't seem possible because we're not very old, but I reckon that's about 31 plus years of marketing experience that you're listening to at the moment. I want to just get, I just want to go straight in with perhaps something that might entertain people. Um, What do you think now, looking back, are the biggest bits of marketing bullshit or nonsense that you've been told or perhaps went along with for a while? Um... Joe. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> my list is so long, so I was trying to <laughs> narrow it down. Um, I, I, for me, the way I would sum it up is um, around ideas of sort of passive incomes, this whole thing around, you know, kind of, oh, I can go and live on a beach in Bali and, um, you know, everybody's finding my website and downloading everything that costs you know 300 bucks and good for me you know and yeah I mean that comes in so many different shapes and sizes and some honestly some people are doing it so I'm not saying it's not possible you know but for me it it just I've looked into it I've looked into every version of that I would love to be on a beach in Bali forevermore but yeah I just I find it very um uh kind of cheesy is one word just a bit fluffy and light there's so much more to it we know that nothing's really free apart from anything it's your labor that's involved apart from anything else you know and that has a value so yeah that would be my number one the kind of rhetoric and and uh junky conversations really around kind of free passive stuff no nothing's passive um nothing's passive i don't think i've i've spoken to anybody on the podcast who's generating passive income. If they're selling something through their website, it's because they've got shit hot SEO or sales funnels that they've spent ages building and got support to do. I mean, it's just nonsense. If you want people to buy things, you have to be selling it. Like why the hell did McDonald's continue to advertise? Or anyway, nothing's passive, nothing's passive. How about you, Alice? I'm not sure that it's it's bullshit because I do understand the value in it. But the biggest problem that I had at the beginning was this ideal customer knowing your IPC. What is an IPC? Ideal playing, paying, whatever it is. It's the emphasis on that right at the beginning. So I think there is definite truth and 
help in understanding who that is further along. But I think if you feel you have to know that before you start, that is, it's often one of the first things, or it used to be, I don't know if it still is, one of those things that, you know, people who run marketing courses tell you to identify right at the beginning. Well, when you're right at the beginning, quite honestly, you don't really know yet who's going to buy from you, who you like serving, what they want from you. And so I think that can be a real stumbling block. So I hate that as a starting point. Just don't like it. Ooh, I really like that one. I wouldn't have predicted it. Um, and I think I probably found that a bit of a stumbling block at the, at the start because I got some advice that you need to know who you're talking to. And then you, you're kind of like, well, I don't know. <laughs> however, I would say, uh, however, I would say that perhaps being told it at the beginning and then keeping it in mind as you your understanding grows, that's helpful. But if you don't know exactly who you're talking to at the beginning, don't worry, that doesn't matter. Yeah. And, in, and in fact, it's way more nor in fact probably preferable that you allow them to tell you mm. to a degree and that and you know and that's the beauty of, of social media or anywhere where we can have a live dialogue you can learn from people rather than make assumptions about them am i allowed to have a second one go for it i think we probably all got about 15 each but let's get a few out but my second one is just this sense that you have to have a complete a completely sorted system and scheduling everything in advance and be used i mean did people still use meet edgar and like i just felt like i was failing so much as a business owner if i didn't have all my social posts and everything scheduled like for months ahead you don't have to Oh my goodness, so true. I, I I did get. It took me a while to let myself off the hook with yeah. that. Jo, are you a, a scheduler? Absolutely you... not. No, no. I've, I've tried it all, Helen. You know, I really yeah. have. Um, <laughs> if if I post anything in the first place, you know. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean, connected with that, as I said, my list is quite long. But this this idea of kind of, I'm I'm really obsessed with this idea of. Um, appreciating and depreciating content, right? So it's something I learned from someone else um, called Regina. We can link to a really good um, video if you like, Helen, in the show notes. But it's um, it's all about this idea of kind of growing online, co- growing online audiences with depreciating content. So anything that frankly disappears really quickly, um, you know, this idea that that's business building really irritates me. <laughs> No, it isn't. That's churning out content and you're layering it, you know, one on top of the other constantly. Um, and often, you know, the idea is that you plan that you, months and months ahead. You sit you sit down in January and you can predict, you know, the content that you'd like to share three, four, five, six months later. It just doesn't, for me, it's never worked, you know. Um, in contrast, there's this idea of kind of... Um, you know, this, this idea of like appreciating content, which is kind of something that's more long term and more, usually more thoughtful and, and more mature in its, in its, um, sort of, uh, subject matter and quality. And that's definitely what I'm more drawn to. Um, but we're sold this idea, I think that, yeah, so long as you've scheduled all these posts, that, that's building something worthwhile, you know, and often it isn't. No, it's just, uh, and that feeds into mine, which would probably be, be around. It would be around the the need to understand Instagram and, and how it works, which will probably which will probably mean posting at an increasingly insane rate uh, across many different surfaces of the platform, and that somehow that 
will feed directly into the kind of business you want to grow, the kind of life you want to have, rather than just being a rather exhausting process that that fills up a social media platform when actually you can kind of use it how you want to. Yeah, and and the irony is that if everyone's operating in that way, when do we really even have the time to look at each other's stuff? <laughs> you know, so I think even if you start from that perspective, it's quite, it makes no sense. You know, let's quickly cover off where you are with Instagram now because it's where we met all of us. Where we met, it's where you guys met one another, or came across one another. What, how do you, how do you feel about the platform, Alice? For you, and and how do you try to? I know none of us would say we've nailed it, but how do you try and approach it these days? A bit of a love hate, if I'm honest, um, in the sense that I do still love it, and I hate the fact that I still love it. <laughs> um, and I did have a patch towards the beginning of the year, I think, where I didn't post. I didn't post anything for I think about five weeks or so. And I just needed to give myself time to step back a little bit. But I think it's been so much part of my life for such a long while. I still have that urge. Oh, oh, here's a thing. <laughs> I want to share it. And it's just my place. It's it's my place to share stuff. Um, depreciating returns, for sure, on Instagram. And... I don't. Th- I think you're absolutely right. There is absolutely no one thing that sorts that sorts it out and definitely gets you the results. And it's often quite immeasurable. And I think people find that really frustrating. I don't know if it's just that I'm not brave enough to fully take it out of the mix at the moment. I think, in a way, it would be it would be interesting to experiment. What happened if I really did say this is it? I'm not posting anymore and put all my energy into something else. But I also know that personality-wise, it works quite well for me. It offers me a variety of things. Um, I like the visual element of it. I can be playful with the video parts of it. I've just done a carousel post for the very first time, which took a bit of sorting out. I have to say, hats off to everybody who does them regularly. But it's been on my, oh, I want to try that for a while. And you know, the response to that has been lovely. Has it led to anything in particular? Not yet. Will I ever know? I don't know. So I'm very much at the moment with a let go of everything. If it feels fun, do it. Keep it playful. But I do have to watch that. I've posted something and now I want to go and check in with everybody and answer everybody because that is also quite an important part of it for me and is quite time consuming. So... So it's super time consuming. And actually, it puts me off posting because if I especially if I know I'm going to be posting something that probably people will want to respond to, and and then you would like to obviously acknowledge their responses. But I mean, it can take if you have a post that's a that's a hit, if you like, I mean, it can take hours of time to go back through it and respond to everybody properly which is no small thing. I mean, you know, that's that's the it can take the most part of your working day. Joe, Insta. Insta. Well, you know, <laughs> I, lo- I say with Alice, actually, I love it. I love it. Um, I love I love flicking between being a creator and a consumer. Right now I'm in a consumer stage, you know, um, we're renovating a property. I love it. I go on there for the most brilliant advice about kind of DIY projects and how to use colour and understand light. It's great. It's For me, it's much easier to 
to go onto Instagram, find inspirational accounts, and then to maybe even go, you know, use a Google search or something. My husband's completely the opposite. He, he, I don't think he's even got Instagram on his phone anymore. You know, it's just not a resource for him. So for me, it is. I'm a visual person. Um, I'm also a snacker on Instagram. I like quick content and that kind of thing. But the dilemma I have is that I don't want to be creating that kind of stuff. Um, so it's a little bit one way. It's a one way relationship at the moment <laughs> with me and Instagram. Yeah, I'm just taking all the time. And um, when I have given to Instagram, um, <laughs> which, you know, it makes it seem like a person, we sort of do personify it sometimes, don't we? Um, I think I have seen nice results, you know. Um, I've, I've really, especially during the lockdown, actually, I found it a really, lovely connection tool you know and I think some of the friendships and relationships I developed during that time were absolutely because of the app you know but it is an app it's a tool in my toolbox and sometimes it's the right tool for the job sometimes it isn't and so yeah I feel like I have a fairly sort of healthy relationship with it um you and I've talked about this Helen about kind of if you're having frustrations you know with with the app get back into control <laughs> you know yeah, you're yeah. you're well, in the driving seat yeah and also you can't um okay talking about making it what's the what's the word for when you make something a person what, what is that when you an inanimate or, personification pers- yeah personify yeah as you said yeah. um uh, you we can't expect we can't um expect instagram to sort of know and understand what it is that we are we're we're hoping that it will do for you know that's just not uh, that's not a, a real thing um i use it you know pr- i'd say the, the primary benefit for me of being on instagram has been the the network has been the people that i meet and it's where people are, are able to quickly recommend me to their friends or you know discover me watch a little clip of video and find out whether or not i've I'm the kind of person they could see themselves working with. Um, it's my go-to still. I think. I think it is quite demanding as a as as a relationship, mm-hmm. like as a best friend, is quite demanding. But if I discover somebody new for the first time, like I will go to Instagram because I know that I will get mm-hmm. a fresh and current overview of what they do, what they feel like, what they share, what their vibe is. And if somebody doesn't have an up-to-date Instagram, it's it's a very different feeling from from maybe what is on somebody's website. In that sense, I don't think I think it's very hard to pretend to be something you're not on Instagram. That's really hard work. So I think it's quite a good one take impression of what somebody is, what they're sharing on the on their Instagram. And I haven't found an alternative to that. I mean, Pinterest is great for sharing content, but you don't build up a relationship. LinkedIn, can't fall in love with LinkedIn. I I don't know what there is to replace it yet. (laughs) Sorry, LinkedIn. No, sorry, LinkedIn. Poor old LinkedIn's had a bit of a knocking on this podcast before. I I know it makes sense, but I just can't. And I think that's the thing with Instagram or any platform. You you either have you have that chemistry with the kind of you know I know what to I know what to post, know what to create. I don't always do it, but I but I you know it's other other platforms. I just think what what do I what would I share here? And it feels hard. Feels even harder than Instagram can sometimes feel. uh, I love you both and you both say great things in conversations that we have in real life online that make me think. And when I invited you two on, Joe said, 
Oh, yeah, I'd love to come on the show. Thanks, Joe. But I don't know what I have got to say to people who have big online audiences. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then I got off the and then I got off the email and I was like, like really sure that most of the people that listen to this show don't have vast online audiences. I don't have a vast online audience. And I was like, let's really normalize that because that is the normal situation. It is not normal to have a huge online audience and a inexplicable passive income running from it. That is just, and is that the same for people in your community? generally speaking, in, in Connected Artists, that there's not... I think we, ha- we have some huge. people in there who have got really large audiences. Um, there are a couple of people and, you know, their, their audiences have grown over time and there is a problem sometimes that comes with that if you've been around for a while is that people have drifted off, they've changed focus, they're still around, particularly on something like Instagram where you don't have a way to clear people out like you do on a, on a mailing list and I think that there is also something that happens like when it is a smaller audience like we've spoken about making connections and me approaching Joe. if she had 60,000 followers I think I would have been scared to do that and I think that there are some points where so my followers I think it's 49,000 at the moment I know that there are some people who are following me just because they see a big number, but they're not really engaged. And I think that there are some people who probably would like to be really engaged, but who feel like I'm behind some kind of gated screen. And like, if I if I respond to somebody's DM with a voice message, sometimes they're like, oh, it's really you. And I'm like, yeah, I still get up in the morning and have breakfast and you know, do all of those things. And it's, I'm really trying at the moment to go to build more small spaces, and to have more direct contact with people. Because it's, it's like having small children, isn't it? Don't wish for the next enjoy the small stage. Like there is some love happening in that small stage. It's more flexible. It's a really nice space to be actually. Yeah, less pressure, Mm. less assumption, and possibly, whisper it, more effective. Mm -hmm. I am interested as I learn more about uh, marketing, visibility, connection, whatever you want to call it, um, how actually, where is work coming from in all of this? And what you said at the beginning about how, wow, you know, I've I've just got into this really specific community of Alice's and a lot of my clients are now coming from there. And that's got really nothing to do with your online audience. That's got to do with connection, trust, proximity, niche interests. Mm And and exactly. And I feel when I said that about the sort of, you know, bigger audiences, I think it's because in the context of sort of marketing, um, you know, strategies and different things that you can try. Honestly, I've probably scratched the surface for my own business. You know, I've I've been in a really nice position, to be honest with you, where I've always had a lovely manageable flow of work that suited my capacity you know so in that sense I haven't had to kind of you know try a ton of things that maybe someone who is actively trying to grow a whopping audience would be interested in trying you know so um so I 
I think that's a really, really key point, actually, that firstly, figure out what you, how you want to work. You know, if you are in the business of addressing humongous audiences, if, if one of your ambitions is to, you know, have a TED talk or to, I don't know, kind of um, be at conferences or whatever, brilliant. You're going to probably need a, a decent amount of people that will, um, you know, listen to you and find you interesting. I've known personally that that's never the thing that's attracted me so I would like to have really meaningful conversations one-to-one with people I've only got so many hours in the day you know so so it's kind of just a different model and um and so far as yeah where work comes from for me it's always been about conversations personal recommendations word of mouth um someone saying oh my friend whatsapped me about you or I heard you on a podcast or you know, you or, or even recently, I popped into a new shop locally, and and you know, we'll probably end up working together. So, you know, there's lots and lots of different avenues into this. It's not always around showing up online. You know, there's lots of different other background things going on. That's been my experience, anyway. I think that's probably something that I wish I'd known in the beginning when when I was in in pursuit of adding adding people to an online audience. That, I mean, people say things like, you know, size doesn't matter and what are you building the audience for? But you can't quite really convince your brain of that at the beginning. You feel like you have to be successfully adding numbers to the thing. I think it's only when you're a few years in and you have a clearer idea of what your project is and what makes you happy that all of a sudden it really the penny starts to drop. Like hmm, the quality of the connections is wholly where it's at you know and uh, attracting lots of people might give you a very short-term hit of satisfaction but if you're trying to build something meaningful sustainable that's going to make you happy for you you know you have to be it really has to be the right kind of people again I think it I think it's skewed by some of those big marketers, though. So we hear those percentages of uh, only one to two percent of people in your audience are going to buy something from you. And you think, holy crikes, that means I need to have, you know, however many people in your audience on your list. And while it is true to some degree, certainly not everybody is in the position or at the right stage or you have to have... Um, you know, there is a, a time period to that flow about when somebody is connected with you and then when they're ready to get engaged with whatever it is that you offer. But that percentage is very different from when it's a huge somebody who you actually don't feel very connected with. You know, we've all done it. You join someone's list, you get the thing, you take yourself off, you're not interested really in what they have to say, compared to somebody who you actually feel like you know. I know who I buy things from. And so I think that that is something that has that skews our perception of it is that where we've learned that figure from. And for me, with making art, it was when I realized, well, like Joe says, there's only a certain number of hours in the week. I know what my production capacity is for original paintings. I, I can't I can't make huge. I don't need huge numbers of people, actually. Yeah. And I think that comes in time, doesn't it, to have the confidence to sort of say that, I think. And and um, and again, thinking um, it's it's one of those things that we hear, but like imagining that number of people in the room. We all say that. Right. And 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 it's true. I do. 
actually that's helpful for me you know I think yeah I've got this sort of by all accounts quite small you know cozy audience but yeah you know it's manageable and I can sort of get back to people you know and I can I can sort of roughly keep up with them and and it feels more reciprocal Mm. you know I'm not in the business of broadcasting and and for me that is you know it's it's quite nice actually so I'm quite ruthless if someone follows me and I think (laughs) they're just I mean yeah I am pretty well known for kind of just blocking deleting I and I take people off all the do time you? I remove yeah, people all the time. Too. yeah I remove people yeah do you yeah, I've never I've never I've never I must have done it once or twice <laughs> yeah no okay what will get you kicked off your account um if if someone follows me so you know you wake up you check your phone someone's followed you um because I don't have that many new followers it's always like oh <laughs> And then, and then I just look at who they are. And if I get the idea that they have taken some time to figure out who I am, bear in mind, I don't post much. So what on earth are they looking at me for? You know, um, and then if I think, okay, this is someone, sometimes they will have joined my mailing list. All right. That's clearly a, a human, you know, who's done all of this. On the other hand, if it's someone, you know, um, Bob selling car parts in, you know, the Midwest. <laughs> See you, Bob. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> and I Are just remove the them. Yeah, absolutely. You do, you do the same. I have started doing it this year. So I used to be, when I started growing my Instagram account, I would be super, so anybody who followed, I would go over and see what they do. And then I would have kind of a chat and, you know, message. Not always follow back. I didn't do that follow for follow thing. But, you know, like some of their posts, give them a bit of, of feedback. Then life got busy and I admit I stopped doing that and it just felt like people followed and honestly I didn't pay that much attention to them. But like I said, I think this year I have just been feeling like I, I, you know, I really want this to be a space that makes sense. So I have been almost daily checking like Joe does and when somebody new follows, you know, there are some that are really definite uh, out on their ear as soon as they're not real they're not genuine or you know actually sometimes sometimes just if I just feel they're not in the right place or okay. don't like the look of them <laughs> okay this is this has blown my mind I'm gonna I, I, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the space of not I don't pay too close attention yeah. so that that is not um yeah so for the last few years I haven't done it this year I've I've run a kind of Instagram spring clean which which has been so much fun and it's a you know just a kind of nice fun workshop really and one of the things that we look at is you know in pictures you're tagged in that you don't want to be tagged in um people following you that just make no sense to your account and and again, it, it really does depend on the purpose of, you know, why you're using these tools. For me, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not in the, I, I'm not interested really in kind of broadcasting and being that you guys know I've talked to you about this. I didn't want to be this kind of big personality influencer type person. So, so for me, it does matter. It's kind of like, all right, who am I letting into my online space to some extent, even though the account's open? I still got those sort of boundaries in place and, and, and so have others when I've done these workshops, you know, others have found it quite liberating just to edit, get rid of people who, who in real life would be so far 
you know, in the periphery of what you're doing, they can't sort of hear you anyway. You know, they don't, they don't hear you. They don't engage. Then they're, they're not interested. They're not keeping up with you, you know. So I suppose it is a quality quantity thing for me. Mm, I think that whole idea would have liberated some listeners. What have you learned, Alice, about authentic voice and using the online space to connect with your ideal customer your those people who get it let's just call them that how what have you learned about writing speaking in a way that that attracts people you won't block (laughs) um I think it's I think the first thing to say is this is an ongoing process of discovering what you want to say and how you say it and what you share. And I think I shared this with you last time. I mean, I first joined Instagram because I ran out of space for photos on my phone, you know, and it was just a place to keep them. Um, So that's what, what I started. And it just became more of a diary for me to keep a record of what I was doing um creatively and and in in my work and then I kind of like the visual element of it I think what in terms of authentic voice social feels easy like the almost ephemeral ephemeral nature of it which is often spoken down because I you know the life span of an Instagram post it doesn't last forever compared to putting something on your website but actually it's a very easy way to be a little bit more fluid to be a bit more responsive to test things rather than building a page on your website which feels like it's got is going to be it doesn't have to be static but it feels like it's got to summarize any everything whereas social gives you more opportunity to be a little bit more playful with that and that's the part of it that I've always enjoyed. The fact that, you know, one day you can be upbeat and happy and one day you can be like, okay, this was tough today. That mix element. I think you're, yeah, I, I think uh, just reflecting on the question I've just asked and the conversation so far, I think you're both quite confident in mm. in your, in your, you know, in in who you are and how that's going to come across online and, and screw, screw the rest of it and screw the nonsense. And is that a fair assessment, Alice, of, you know, in terms of, have you ever struggled with being yourself in a blog post or in a newsletter? Have you ever tried to be anybody or not? Or actually are you pretty good at at authentic for one of them well that first website I was so scared of putting everything public it was nothing to do with me and didn't have my name on so yes for sure but I think it is something that grows over time and that is one of the advantages of it actually if you, if you were hurled into it's like it's like learning how to swim right if I hurled you into running an Instagram account with no experience and saying here you go this is what you said you wanted here's 40,000 followers go for it that is terrifying. But starting off with you and the person you met at art class and, you know, your mum's best friend or the person from the school gates with 40 people following you and then that grows, you, you get a better feedback leap. So you, you learn your experience and your confidence grows as you're doing it. And at the beginning, people don't say that much. You know, often it's just a photograph and... Just being able to kind of grow with it 
that's where the, that's where the confidence comes from, I think. And also that sense of really knowing, uh, and this is why it's not knowing what you're doing from an ideal customer point of view. It's the knowing what drives you, like, why are you doing it in the first place? And if I follow that, I've just done this thing and it's exciting to me. That's when I want to share it. And I think that's contagious. That's why I don't do planning. Do you feel the same way, Joe? Have you grown in, in confidence or was it there at the beginning of your yeah, your I, journey? I, I think it was different selling products in my shop because actually a fair amount of um, posting that I was doing was, was honestly about stuff, you know, about the things that I was selling. And that's really different to essentially selling your own approach your thoughts your you know um your ways of doing things so I I do think that I probably cut my teeth in that way I I've been on Instagram since the day it was invented more or less you know um and I think trying to uh get me to adapt and change with the platform has been more the problem (laughs) (laughs) I really I mean you know I really I'm not a video person you know I've tried with reels but you know for me that's more the issue kind of um thinking oh yeah I'll keep up you know um so for me it's always been a little bit the same you know find some nice imagery however you define that um for me it's hydrangeas and you know the sea and all very sort of yeah you know quite wholesome stuff and then um some work some hopefully interesting words to go with it is it's I don't overcomplicate it you know um I think where I've really enjoyed it is when I've had deep conviction about what I'm saying I think that honestly is what helps you have an authentic voice Mm. online where you just you can just stand by what you're saying, you know, and that takes time. I suppose that is connected to confidence and experience. But sometimes I'll read my own post back if I sort of think, oh, did that do, you know, did that click with people? Did that pull on any threads, you know, for people? And and I, there have been one or two occasions when I've thought, actually, I've grown from that. I've moved on from that perspective, you know, Um and or, or the other way, I've I've kind of you know I've thought actually I I really ever more believe that you know, um so I think we need to give ourselves a you know a bit of a break. What sometimes people think that one Instagram post sort of defines you and that and it can lead to this paralysis, right? It's like I've got to post something epic. Frankly, as we've discussed, probably half the people. <laughs> it will disappear quite quickly. Nobody's hanging on my every word. I know that. Yeah. I would say save your epic for a different space. Like that's for the book. Right. Or you, know, the, you know, or, or you be know, epic. Like, like be epic on every single post, but just don't, um, you know, don't sort of have um, expectations that the platform just simply doesn't sort of deliver. Never has, actually. Um, no, so never has. Never I has. remember... I, I really, this is a really quite a random connection. I remember I had a friend called Lizzie at university and she wanted to buy this pair of boots. And I was like, 
fucking hell. I can't talk about these boots anymore. They were quite an expensive pair of boots. I was like, they are not going to be the last pair of shoes you ever buy. Either buy them yeah. or don't buy yeah. them. But <laughs> let's just let's just let move on. And I feel yeah. like that a bit with people's Instagram because, like you say, they're like, oh, is this the right thing to do to post this thing? And I'm like, do you know what? Few people will read it. Few people care. Quite often, I would probably change an Instagram post by lunchtime versus what I've written at seven o'clock in the morning. I change my mind so often, or I would rethink a bit of it based on something somebody's come back with and they challenged me on it. I'm like, oh, you know, you're right. I hadn't thought about it that way. So, yeah, you really have to. Anything that you share, I think you have to. It's a bit just bloody post it. Get it. Get it out there and not not think it has to reflect back on you forever more and uh, you know there's balance isn't there because also we're careful we you know we we are curating all the time editing picking choosing what we talk about and that's also healthy and sensible but um you know uh, i i think it's this idea of kind of um yeah just making sure that you know when you when you post something when you share anything online um it's it's you we're, we're hearing from you you know if you find yourself often that paralysis that comes with that nervousness is not about the physical action of pressing post it's usually that's the easy bit really publish post whatever um there's some steps before it which is um you know I don't really know what I want to talk about or I don't I, I I'm sharing my art for example or my creative work online but I I'm I, I don't know that it's any good, you know. Well, where's that coming from? So there's a million other reasons usually that people are a bit stuck. That's the bit I like about it, though. Those bits where you're using it as a vehicle, actually, to explore and dig a little bit deeper. Like, if there is something you're hesitant to post about, why? Is it is it because you don't really? Is it because you're posting because you think you should and you don't really believe it? is it is it really true for you does it feel a little bit tender and a little bit raw it, is that necessary like where do you sit with all of that and I actually quite like using it as a bit of a mirror I suppose for those sort of things within me and also what I see from what other people post if I see something maybe another artist who's celebrating a sellout or you know they've got huge paintings and a bit of me is going mm, they're doing it what you know, use that, use that, you know, and, and I find it that sort of feedback loop of it in terms of what it teaches me about me, what's important to me, what I want to share, where I want to be going. I find that actually quite helpful. Oh, and your your comfort zone with all of it is so stretchable. Like mm. what, what you become comfortable with, totally. the, the, you know, it becomes everything it can be expanded I want to ask you about where you're at with launching and selling I feel as though I'm reading about a lot of launch fatigue and people becoming tired of a sort of build an audience then you sell to them and then you sell to them again and then you sell to them again until you feel like you're a bit broken by the whole process and again I would say it's it's a business model that's that that the internet has has sort of created um and i'm not sure how long-term sustainable it is for a lot of people um alice you you do open doors on on things and close them again and do launch processes how, how do you is it something that exhausts you is it something you wish you didn't have to do or actually do you quite 
enjoy selling to people in that way and feel comfortable well, about come it. back to me in three weeks and I'll tell you the answer to that because because <laughs> I mean the the membership has been usually we've opened sort of once a year with a little bit of a launch and then once a year where we've just emailed people who are on the wait list and it's been a little bit a little bit quieter um at the moment we're trying something really different because it feels appropriate and it feels different and that is just to have the doors open for may and see who comes in I don't know how I sit with that. I don't know. It's teaching me, like, my nervous system has to be balanced because I cannot sustain that high level of launch energy that you have when you're really sharing something for, and it's open for five days. I can't live like that for a month and I don't want to live like that for a month. So there's a high degree of trust in that this is going to work. I don't know if it's going to work. So far, what I'm seeing is that the people who've come in feel really aligned and ready. And that's really nice. And last summer, I did much more of a big launch thing. I had somebody help me. We ran ads. They didn't work or rather they people came in, but then they didn't stay. And I really felt I, I cannot do this again. I cannot do this again. I think it's interesting to pick up on another thing that you might not be missing out on is this whole like, have you built a funnel? Are you running loads of Facebook ads? Are you doing X, Y and Z? And the fact that a lot of us can be left feeling like, oh, gosh, if I was a proper business person, if I was doing this properly, I would have all those things in place when actually it might not work for you joe do you have much experience with that kind of thing do you help your online shop clients with that kind of thing do you think it's important um so again it's slightly different because product funnels are are quite different right to service Mm. funnels but um so yeah i do help people but um for my own experience i would say um i keep it as simple as it can be (laughs) and I haven't ever run what you know what we might call kind of high ticket or high value things mine are you know in general quite sort of accessibly priced if you like um and so I haven't maybe had um too many sort of um pressures on myself around it is how I would say I haven't created something that's high risk and I feel like I'm it's a it's a ride or die situation it's usually a bit more sort of manageable for me um so I would agree with Alice though that I think it it's about holding your nerve a little bit and kind of trusting you know that the right people will find you at the right time I mean that's actually what selling products is about the right product the right price the right um people the right customers so so it's sort of similar in that sense um I also feel that um that is maybe where a bigger audience is helpful because I worked with a client for example who was trying to sell something and she said and and it was a service actually it wasn't a product and she said she feels like she seems she sees the same people at the same online events you know and this kind of echo chamber this very very Mm. cozy group is is lovely in some ways it's it's supportive and you feel really comfortable 
but actually that there may be a limit to who's um, going to buy from you. So that's actually something I've experienced. It's lovely to see the same people and they're always welcome and I love my world, you know, but um, there, there have been a couple of things that I've tried in the past and actually having some sort of fresh eyes on it would have been, yeah, was one of my goals, you know, and it didn't always work um, yeah. for, for you whatever need to. reason. Yeah. Any any business will need to be finding new customers all the time, even at a low level, because of those people who disengage. Mm. Your old customers who move on with their lives and they're doing other things, not, it's not for them anymore. So you you always need to be to be finding some some new blood, I suppose. Although that's a horrible kind of hunting analogy or something. But yeah, you we always we new always brains, need to be at, new brains, new brains, new imaginations, new eyes, yeah, new yeah. hearts, yeah, new, new souls. Hearts souls. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it, it in terms be. of a business, I think it always is shifts as well. And when you're talking about things like funnels and systems and getting all that stuff, I mean, look, it's certainly not something that I have any energy. <laughs> or interest in doing and would it would it be good to have somebody come in and well maybe but then I'm like I feel like I'm stuck to a system then I I like go right back to the beginning of the conversation the fact that I get to choose and this is my business that I've chosen how I can run it I want that degree of flexibility and that means that means being responsive that means how does this feel at this current moment in time do I want to try having a much smaller group session like are there people who don't want to commit to a membership what does that look like let's test it and see and that doesn't involve building a whole bunch of funnels that's making an offer and and seeing who's interested and then adjusting it really yeah and and some of it's the jargon actually that drives everyone a bit crazy yeah. you know again it, it can feel it can feel so complicated and so you know wow it's just how can I possibly wrap my head around it actually it's, it's fairly simple you know really when you yeah. dig into it and it really depends on what you're offering who you're trying to attract um the quality of what you're offering the scope of it you know the price of it there's so many factors at play um, that following a blueprint often isn't the approach you know following some kind of standard way of doing things often isn't the approach if you're creating something a little bit different like we're all trying to do yeah I mean I must I reflect that you know my approach however haphazard it might have been at times has served me pretty well thus far and I had a moment in a group of feeling quite fraudulent the other day when a lady asked me about a, a welcome sequence that she was trying to create a welcome sequence of five or six emails and what you know she knows what to do in the first two but she doesn't know what to do and I just thought well I don't really know I've never created a welcome sequence of five emails I can't see how that would work for my customers or in my business I don't know you don't have to have a, you don't have to have anything <laughs> you know and if it feels great to you and it makes total sense to run a, a sort of a sequence such as that then go for it but if you haven't got one that's also fine and it could be that just your way of keeping in touch with people generally creates enough of a sustainable level of interest that when is the right time for them to buy they'll they'll buy it and sometimes doing things in that sort of slightly rebellious disruptive way is actually what attracts people to you right so you know this it, it can just feel very 
bland out there, you know, everyone's sort of doing the same old junk, you know, and it's kind of actually just mix it up a bit, you know, it's, it's like when you go to your friends for dinner and they've done something super wacky that you'd never, you'd never put together. Well, they're the dinners that you talk about, you know, so how can we, how can we kind of sit in our own spaces at home and think, yeah, what can we do differently here? How can we mix it up? And often that's what makes you stand out more and attracts people to you, you know, not these kind of super fancy. I'm not saying they don't work. Like I said, I've not really tried them. So it's unfair of me to say they don't work. I'm sure they do for many people. But, um, you know, you've got to have conviction about them, which at the moment I don't. <laughs> yeah. And I think perhaps it just appeals to a certain type of brain, like running a process could be the mo- the, the way that life makes sense to you. And it's not necessarily to me. It's good to check back as well with what it feels like to be on the receiving end of something. And often, you know, when you sign up for something that those next emails that you might get are an automated sequence that's not that person responding how they feel that week with what's going on in their life and I I think I think having one welcome email is definitely worthwhile hey thanks for joining this is where you can find the stuff here is something else you might like if you want to get back in touch with me you can reply hello it's me but having a whole sequence has just always felt a bit owner and I know that when I get them usually I delete them and the danger in that is actually what what habit are you encouraging people on your who have just joined your email list to do see your name and swipe delete you know that's not a good habit I think yeah I've got another automated another automated message has come through and it's just yeah like you say it's it's when I when I see an ad on Instagram unfortunately there just is something on my in my brain that switches it off and I just scoot right past because I know it comes from it doesn't come from a place of hi how are you doing this is again this is how I'm feeling today which is what we want to be connected with people for not something they wrote six months ago and you know and I've just I've just come through a sequence uh, anyway uh, we talked about worst moves or marketing nonsense or, or whatever what do you think is what's been your like good solid move well done me that was a good decision uh in your in your your experience in the last few years who wants to go first mine is something that I'm still struggling with which is getting help with things that are time consuming and I I do I do struggle with that and the first person was somebody who was actually recommended to help with the member admin side of it and I struggled with it because there was a lot that I was doing and it was just taking up too much time in my day. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get on with the more important stuff. But the reason that I struggled with it, because it was this whole idea of systematizing things. And so I just started very, very gently with when I was doing an email reply to somebody before it even became part of a system. It was something that I would write naturally the first time, copy and paste it into a Google Doc with headings so that you could index it down the left-hand side in a Google Doc. And I would just add to that gradually so that rather than me having to write out this email from fresh every time, I had a body that I could go back to and adapt it as necessary. And once I'd started to do that for myself, like notice where I was doing things on repeat and set up a system for myself, 
that became easier to include somebody else in it. And and that's where anything as far as automations started for me. So something else that's really worth doing is setting up like keyboard shortcuts on your phone. Helen's pulling a face. Oh my God, I don't do anything like that. I, don't, I just don't, I don't have any. I don't have I, that I always, many. Yeah, but I'm always if, if I notice, doing slightly too much work. Yeah, but if I notice, for example, that people were always asking for the same link for something, yes, you might have that copied and pasted in a note stock on your phone. So write a little bit of, oh, hi, if you're looking for this, it's here. It's just a sentence and then give yourself a like little letter code and, you know, type your three letters and boom, it's it's there. That still feels like magic. You're so right. You're so right. What What is your solid gold good move, Joe? Um, my solid gold good move is um, feeling that I've got good people in my world. <laughs> that's that's my solid gold move. Actually, I feel that it takes time, doesn't it? We all know that. But um, yeah, I feel that. Uh, I like, I genuinely like talking to people, which helps. Um, I genuinely like supporting and building up others, you know, and, and I like promoting others if I can. I share things on stories, let's say, or in my um, email, whatever. Um, and I think I appreciate it when others do the same, um, for me. And it feels very, it, it feels like I have benefited from just yeah being around really good people many of whom are much more experienced than I am have have a sort of greater understanding of things than I do and I think I've paid attention (laughs) to how things yeah sort of how things have been done by others and then I've been able to I think sort of pick out okay I'll try that that seems like something I could maybe do you know um but also being quite quick to think "Mm -mm, not for me (laughs) so yeah be the right people is how I would sum that up yeah make make sure that you um aren't distracted you know by people who make you feel less than in any way um there's so many people out there there's a group for you and there's a community for you online. It feeds into longevity and not, and, and not being in, impatient. There can be a lot of impatience around, around marketing your product, selling your product, get, you know, getting your business up and running, earning what you want to earn. But actually, a lot of the time you're planting seeds that will take you never know when the, the 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 ask will come or the offer or how would you be able to help me with this or would you like that opportunity you just have to act in good faith and and it will I like you say it's karma I think you'll find it will come back round and my the thing that I always think that helps me with that is when you have those frustrations or that kind of time like oh how long is this going to take is what would I be doing instead you know, so this is taking longer and what? What What are you going to do instead? And actually, if you have a really strong idea of what you would rather be doing instead, okay, well, go do that then. You know, you're on the wrong. <laughs> but actually, if, if what we're doing is building something that we really feel genuine about, that we're there for, a, you know, a real reason for how we want to work with other people, and you do get to set that up in the way that you can or you're making something that feels really important to you. And yeah, there are things that you're going to have to figure out along the way of it. But 
what are you going to do instead? You know, you're going to is some you're going to pay someone else to come and do it for you. For lots of us, we're at stages where actually no, that's not possible. Well, then you've got to figure it out for yourself, haven't you? So I think that that feeling of well, what's the alternative is is really quite helpful when you feel stuck because it's a little bit of a loving smack you back into line, which is like, okay, right. And let's just keep going because this is what I've chosen. And that's a good thing to remind yourself of. What makes this thing that we're doing, these businesses that we're in, what makes them sustainable long term? Which is what I want. I think it's what you guys want as well. What have you learned about the keeping going of it? I think that one of the secrets to this is just acknowledging and recognising and being okay with the fact that in the background to your work, life is happening. <laughs> and to to take, it's, it's a responsibility, isn't it, to run our own businesses and family life and everything else that's going on, you know, and, and maybe it's, that's part of the learning curve um thinking you're not you're not gonna fail your business won't disappear and um, you know if you don't keep up with your self-imposed schedule that week or uh you maybe do go a little bit quiet on a on a platform or you skip a week of your email marketing if, if you've actually got all the other foundation bricks in place for your business it can afford to have a little bit of kind of you know moments of chaos in my case sometimes um you know I'm slow I'm really slow sometimes you know and but all of these things have to be okay because that's actually happening because of my life besides work you know um and sometimes I think we forget that actually if we if we were employed again you know we've all had employed jobs you know sometimes you miss your train or sometimes you you know, you have to have a dental appointment in the afternoon or, or you get sick or like there's loads and loads and loads of things that, that we just accept as being normal. Um, and so sometimes we just need to think, yeah, what kind of a boss am I to myself? You know, if I was to, sometimes I do this with clients, actually, if they're being a bit hard on themselves, we'll write a job description for themselves and say, who would, who would you be looking for to replace you? And often it's, it's, it's a really interesting exercise because they say, yeah, someone who's flexible and who's gracious and kind and reasonable. And you think, well, why don't we do that for ourselves? You know, so that would be my, one of my things, just acknowledge that we're running. This is part of the big pie of life. <laughs> and it's, and it's some, in, in, at sometimes it just feels a little bit trickier than others. That's all. Mm, that's beautifully put joe our consistency is not something that can be measured in weekly periods or six monthly you know you can be consistently you even when you're not being visibly consistently you and and you can pick it back up if you need to have a bit of a break people don't tend to really notice you've not been there and if you pop back up again in whatever guise on a podcast or wherever it might be they'll be like oh there you are hi what's happening what about you alice (laughs) I think, again, this idea of being flexible, and by that I mean almost like constant course correction. Anybody do orienteering when they were at school? Like, go off course, 
steer yourself back on again with your compass and I think I think we do go off often when we are pulled by those shoulds that we see other people doing and that's okay so I think there is a huge amount of forgiveness and I think just relaxing into that it is going to take time and we don't know the answers to all of these things like what does my business look like what does my ideal buyer look like we're fumbling around in the dark half the time and that's also okay and to give yourself that space for when you have an idea and you think oh that feels good let's try that making sure that you've got some kind of capacity to explore that and I think I think Joe's right having people around you that will support you and encourage you in doing that which is often not your family it can be people that you've met online that you can just message and WhatsApp and say, hey, I've just had this crazy idea. What do you think about this thing? That's hugely important for the sustainability element of it because none of us can do it on our own, you know? Ladies, thank you so much. I really hope we've made this whole thing seem and feel more human. And thank you for being the people on the other end of dms when i'm like oh is this a bad idea or is this normal or how are you thank you thank you thank you for your time well that was a bit different it felt great to make let me know whether you enjoyed it too there are so many ways you can run your own show your business and for it to be okay Here's a secret. No one really knows how everything works or more importantly, what will work for you. The best any of us can do is support one another, forgive ourselves for the missteps we make and realise it's the same for everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, there are two ways you can support the show. Share it with your friends on social media, in your emails, in real life and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Your kind words and endorsements help other people to find the show. I'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.